Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, world? It's your boy, Big Court, from the Holding Court Podcast. See, ACP is where the streets and black excellence meet. And it's brought to you exclusively by the Revolt Podcast Network, anchored in hip-hop, powered by creators. What's up, world? It's your boy, Big Court, on the Holding Court Podcast. What's up with you, producer Ken? Man, hey, if you're from NorCal, there's, there's these names that ring out. Factors in the game. All right. You know what I mean? We got one in today. I'm super excited. Being from Sacramento, it's been a name that we heard since you know I was young. Likewise, so. likewise. What's up with you, Rachel Renee? It's a good day in California, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, okay, yeah. I like that little rhyme right there. Thank you. Well, yeah, man. We we have a special guest, man, a legendary, like as Ken said, a factor in the in the in the in the rap game in the Northern Cali uh culture and rap game as well. Mr. Ray Love. What's good with you, fam? Respect, respect. Thank you guys for having me. You know, I really appreciate it. I'm actually a fan of the show. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Yeah, I like what you're doing and the direction you're going. I think Mm -hmm. you're giving real knowledge, real game. Thank you, you know, brother. To the to the younger ones and even some of the older ones. So yeah, thank appreciate you that. Appreciate that. Yeah, you know that's that's what our intention was when we created the platform. You know, yeah. we wanted to give legends like yourself flowers, but we also Respect. wanted to preserve you know our generation and that understanding you know and that culture and share it with the youth. You know what I mean? Yeah. And let them know how you know how this thing how it's supposed to go. You know? Yeah. 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 So I want to I want to start from the beginning, bro, a little bit. You know, because I always you know, assume and act like the the listener and the viewer doesn't know what, what's going on. You know what I yeah. mean? So, yeah. you know, let's start, let's start from the beginning. So you from the Bay Area, what city specifically? I'm from, hmm, I'm from Santa Rosa, California. Okay. Right, that's where I got my start. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up in all over the place. Like mm-hmm. uh, I probably went to 29 different school districts in the time period that I was in school. Wow. I lived in New York. I was born in New Orleans. I lived mm-hmm. in LA. I lived in Oakland. I lived mm-hmm. in Richmond. I lived in San Francisco. I lived in Vallejo. I lived in why, why so much I, moving around? Why? Why? Um, so, so my family is pretty unique. Um, my grandmother, my father's mother, um, she was, she always had beer gardens and restaurants and everything. And mm. she kind of created this family business that my father continued. So we always had restaurants and we always did carnivals and we always had food trucks and mm. entertainment from that regard. Mm. My, um, my birth mother passed when I was three years old mm. and my father remarried Cab Calloway's daughter. Wow. Um, so from five years old up, I was like a illegitimate Callaway, so to speak, okay. right? But my mother, um, I grew up kind of with the OGs. So mm-hmm. I grew up watching cab shows and going to the shows and mm-hmm. watching the founders of the of what became the music business. Mm-hmm. Um, cab had to be about 70 then mm-hmm. when I was little. But uh, sometimes I tell some of the older guys, oh, I was in the, you know, Venetian room at the Fairmont. Yeah. And they was like, you can't be. They haven't had a Venetian room for 40 years. Right. Like I was in the Venetian room at 10 years old with a little suit on and we mm-hmm. would get to go to the early show and then yeah. they'll send y'all upstairs and then everybody cat off for the wow. later show, right? Mm-hmm. So I learned the business. I got to see professionalism, mm-hmm. what it looks like when it's done properly. Mm-hmm. My The story of my family on that side is my great aunt, Blanche Calloway, was the first singer, first entertainer in our family. Mm-hmm. But I found out recently that wasn't true. Mm-hmm. Um, our family and music actually go back to slavery, that mm-hmm. side of the family. Cab Calloway the first was a slave. He was born on a plantation in Calloway, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And he was born the same week the slave master had a child in the field and he had a child in his house. They were born the same week and they were brothers, but they they were, you know, obviously there's a separation. Mm. But music was already a part of the, in the slave quarters, what was going on. So the, the Cab Calloway the first gave his, taught, taught the, his white brother mm-hmm. <laughs> music and the white brother taught him to read. Mm. Slavery ends, 
Cap Calloway the first leaves from Calloway, Virginia. He goes to Baltimore. He opens up uh, a speakeasy, and they said he was a sporting life. Is what we call a player today. Mm-hmm. I tell you this story because understanding the the relevance of this generation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I spent a lot of time. I'm like, I'm actually working on a TV show that's about that very same thing, right? Wow. The history of it. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to. I want the young people to know why we say pop our collar and jack our slacks and say all yeah. that slick shit, right? Yeah. Where it comes from. Yeah. Cab Calloway the second, his they were, I think he was a doctor and and his wife was a school teacher, which is the parents of my grandparents, mm-hmm. right? Blanche Calloway is the first female lead singer in American history. There's nobody before her. She's Right there before Josephine Baker, right around that time period, early 20s, roaring 20s, she was making $350 a week when Louis Armstrong was making $19 a week. Wow. And she invited her brother to come up and, you know, see what she was doing. She was in Chicago at the Mm -hmm. Sunset Cafe. Sunset Cafe is like uh, Joe Glazer. He's a famous guy, famous guy who put a lot of artists on. His partner, silent partner, was Al Capone. Um, Cab comes to New York. He sees what his sister's doing. But what's about to happen is the crash of 1929. The irony of the crash of 1929 is that the rich, wealthy people lost all their money. And the poor people that had nothing elevated. Mm -hmm. By 1931, my grandfather records Minnie the Moocher which was his first single, first single by a black artist to go platinum. He was the first artist to go plat, black artist to go platinum. The only other artist to go platinum outside of that was actually like an Italian artist that would move to America. Mm-hmm. So we like to say he was the first artist, mm-hmm. you know, American to go platinum. He forgot the words, the song blows up. Mm-hmm. He goes on the road and he's making phenomenal money. He's making- And this two, is your grandfather. It's my grandfather. Okay. He's making two hundred thousand dollars a month in nineteen thirty. Nineteen thirty three. Wow. Okay. But what they did with the money back then, and you're gonna understand the point of why I'm taking you this journey, mm-hmm. right? Because it has everything to do with what's going on today. Back then, black entertainers couldn't stay in hotels. Right. They couldn't. Um, they couldn't navigate the world mm-hmm. the way we navigate it today. Yeah. So. Everybody that was employed, like they employed the whole Harlem. Everybody in Harlem had a job working for them. So that $200,000 was effectively government assistance before government assistance, Hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then they would go all over the country. And when they came to a black neighborhood like St. Louis, Louisiana, uh, New Orleans, you know, um, they would come there and they would stay and you had to stay in somebody black's home. Mm-hmm. So they would pay for the band and everybody to stay in the home and you would eat at Miss Mary's house and, and your clothes, if something ripped, the you, you, everything, money was coming from, there was a black economy. Right. You dig what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because they didn't have support. Mm-hmm. First black mm-hmm. person that I, in my family, they say that was allowed to stay in a, a hotel mm-hmm. in New York City was Louis Armstrong. Mm. He broke that barrier. Louis Armstrong was like the big brother to to my my um grandparent. Oh right? okay. Mm-hmm. He was the one that kind of taught them the game, right. the game and the, you know, the slick talk. So you right? had, so you it, had right? entrepreneurship in your family. That built, was into, for you. built into yeah. my family. Okay. My mother was a singer, my aunts were singers and performers. Mm-hmm. And like I said, on the other side, my grandmother did restaurants, beer gardens, you know, all mm-hmm. of that. So Entertainment is hardwired in mm-hmm. me as long as I can remember. Got you. Most of the people I know are in some part of entertainment. And over these years, I've had record labels. I'm, I have a management company, really mm-hmm. successful. We'll talk about that a yeah, little later with sure. my nephew. Sure. Um, I made records. I wrote records, mm-hmm. gold, platinum, and all that kind of stuff. Right, that right. was kind of baked into it. Right. Um, so, and so, so, so my mother was the one that kind of mm-hmm. prepared me for the business. Okay. And then I met Tupac when I was like 15. Right. And um, and this was in Marin City. This is in Marin City. I met yeah. Tupac through Layla Steinberg, who mm-hmm. was like my first manager. Mm-hmm. Um, how I met Layla was interesting. Uh, I was getting out of high school. When I was in junior high, I got in trouble. 
Mm-hmm. And my parents sent me to a Christian private school, <laughs> but they couldn't afford it. What was the trouble the you got? Did you catch a case or you just Man, just me, me and the homies, we was, we was up to it. Okay. You know, we was, we was trying to be something we wasn't okay. quite yet. Yeah. But my parents sent me to a private school. <laughs> hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. School, Christian school, and Mm -hmm. they wanted me to straighten up, Mm -hmm. uh, but they couldn't afford it to keep me there. Mm -hmm. I stayed there from the beginning of eighth grade to the end. And then when I got out of eighth grade, I went to junior high, I ended up junior high with all my friends. When I got to high school, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go to the high school with the homies. <laughs> nah, they sent me to Santa Rosa High School, which yeah. was a predominantly white school. Phenomenal music program, phenomenal um, drama program. Um, I took choir, our choir was number three in the state. Mm -hmm. Our band was number seven in the state every year. We was always at Disneyland, we was always doing something. So hold on, so Ray Love can sing? A little something, something. I mean, <laughs> I'm more. Let me put it this way: I'm not gonna sing if I'm in a room with real singers. Okay, I got it's like you. I can play piano, but if uh-huh. Shock G's in the room, like why? Let yeah. him, like, yeah. let him do his thing. You yeah. feel me? What are you, soprano, alto? Uh, no, I was, I was a, a tenor when I was younger. Okay. Bass I was about to say, was don't say falsetto. Yeah. I was about no, to no, 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 no. <laughs> Okay. He didn't get his I'll be sure on you. Yeah, I'm about to say, <laughs> El Gabardo. No, I, no, I wish. Like when yeah. I back in the eight, I wish I could have. Yeah, you know, I, I'm more of a. And them falsettos get money, uh, man. Yeah. Get money. Shout out to yeah. El Gabardo. Yeah, 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 and yeah, I'll be yeah. sure. No, I'm more of a Teddy Pendergrass. Oh, okay. So, so did you? Is that where you met Tupac in high school? So the irony of me and Tupac's relationship mm-hmm. was he went to Mount Tam, which was a predominantly white school. Mm-hmm. Um, one day I'm getting out of high school. It's the last three days of 10th grade. And there's this little short Jewish lady passing out flyers. And the flyer is for Egyptian lover Rodney O and Joe Cooley okay. and General Jeff performing okay. in Santa Rosa. And it's going to be for the summer. And she says, you know, I'm looking for artists to, to that want to perform on this show. Mm. And, you know, I'm the interesting thing about rap music for me, I can remember where it started. I can tell you the day. I can tell you how it started. I was sitting on my couch. It's 1985. And they had these three young men from Chicago. And they was rapping over... Uh, run DMC instrumentals and they were on the news. They made the news. And I was like, shit, I think I'm better than I could do that. Mm-hmm. I had just been writing in my book. Nobody in my family had ever heard me rap. None of my siblings, nobody. But I had been kind of getting some bars down and I'm like, I just don't have no music. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, they made the news rapping on an instrumental. So I wrote me a rap. Went to school the next day and I'm at the bus stop. It's cold. We stand in line. I'm out there with the homies. This is junior high school. Mm-hmm. I say my rap, and everybody went crazy. Niggas went crazy. They're like, bro, that's good. Like, you could, you could do it. So, yeah. in mm-hmm. first break, they like, man, Ray, come over here and do that rap that mm-hmm. you did this morning. I do the rap. Now it's more people. Lunchtime. Now it's like 20, 30 people. Man, do that rap that you did. I, I feel like. I've been a rapper from the very first day that I let somebody hear a rap. Mm-hmm. Who was your influences at the time? Run DMC was a huge influence. Ice T, huge mm-hmm. influence. Um, Too Short is a no-brainer because there was nobody 
really before him, I'll say uh, Calvin T and Magic Mike a little mm-hmm. bit later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but in 1985, I was just amazed that somebody anywhere mm-hmm. near my house mm-hmm. was making music, made a record. Calvin right? T and Magic Mike, they were from uh, Richmond. Calvin right. T and Magic Mike is from Richmond. They're right. the I Richmond version yep. of what, like, Too Short and I remember Freddie that. B, I remember right? them. It was Coognut yeah. um, yeah. and IMP <clears throat> and Frisco. Yeah. Coognut was, was out back then? Coognut was about to be out. Like, Coognut okay. was kind of, Coognut is a legend. Rest bro. in peace like, to Coognut, yeah, by Like, the way. even without the records, yeah. he's a legend. He My first voice, day meeting Coognut. He had that voice. Bro, we had a party, yeah. and it was like, <clears throat> Easy e was there. Mm-hmm. First day I meet Coognut, he walks up to me like, man, they say you could rap. Let me hear you rap. Man, you dope. That's what's up. He said, so listen, we about to turn this party out. So I'm going to give you a heads up because I like you, little bro. <laughs> so you probably should get your homies and get up out of here. It's about to go down. <laughs> and I'm like, and I walk over to the homies like, man, I just met Cool Nut. And he said, they about to turn the party out. Like, man, he ain't finna turn the party out. And they start getting down. Everybody running. This is my... My introduction yeah. to Frisco. Yeah. The Bay Area was different in the 80s. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like it is today. Today you see four young men in a car, mm-hmm. one from Richmond, one from Oakland, right. one from Blail, right. one from San Francisco. Yeah. Back then, it's funny that the young people don't believe in passes. I don't want to call mm-hmm. and get a pass. I don't mm-hmm. want to get a heads up, a check-in. You're not checking in because you're afraid. You're checking in because you don't know what happened here last night. Mm-hmm. That's right. A kid could have been killed right here on this corner, and your dumb ass is out here like mm-hmm. Fancy with all free, your jewels like on, good, and you yeah. floss, and you don't know what it's happened. Hot. It's hot. Yeah. My grandfather, going back to what I just told you, we couldn't even navigate the business or the country without checking in. Mm-hmm. But now the arrogance is that, oh man, I'm at the Beverly Hills Hotel, man. I don't have to check in with no. Man. But that's why we having so many problems mm-hmm. because checking in is connecting with your people. That's right. You did. That's right. Right? Yeah. So long, long story short, rewind. Um, I meet Layla, and up until that time, I was only doing shows. Like I would do shows at all the junior highs. Then I did all the high schools in my area. And I would go to my my principal and say, Man, I need, I want to do lunch at this school. And and everybody uh, give me a quarter, give me 50 cent, you know. That was kind of like my my hustle. Mm-hmm. I don't think my parents took me serious until, like, mm-hmm. it was like you know the and you know black people problems. Like, yeah, man, you know the light bill. And the, yeah, I said, oh here, I got. I'm pouring coins <laughs> out. Where you get this money from? Man, I'm rapping. I'm a rapper now. Yeah. Man, go on with that man. <laughs> you yeah. alright? I'm yeah. a rapper. I'm, I'm t- it was I a pipe a, dream. Baby. It was it was a pipe dream. Yeah. But it was a it was a business, mm-hmm. right? It was a business. I, in the beginning, I understood that that if I do a real real good job, people will pay me for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fast forward, I meet Layla. She says, "If you want to be in this show, come to my come to my house this weekend." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "All right, come to Layla's house on the weekend." It's probably about ten of us. And everybody trying out. And to me, I think I'm the baddest. Back then, battle rapping wasn't like you got in a room and everybody mm-hmm. battle rapped. It was like my neighborhood. I'm the best from my neighborhood. You the best from your neighborhood. You know, maybe it was like an offshoot of break dancing mm-hmm. type of thing. Mm-hmm. And everybody would get together. And you spit yours, I spit mine. And then some of the crowd, your homies is going to say whether you won or not. Mm-hmm. My homies going to say whether we won or not. And if we can't agree, we probably was going to end up fighting. That's right. But at the end of the day, like, I felt like I was the best. Mm-hmm. So before I meet Tupac, there was a group. Um, shout out to Gable. Shout out to Marco. Uh, from Marin City, they used to make tapes. And the tapes was like, they would make tapes talking about how fly they was from Marin City. And we would make tapes talking about how fly we was from Santa Rosa. And we was all kind of chasing the same girls. So the girls and the D-boys, the dope dealers, was the ones that would be playing the tapes. Mm-hmm. And I knew of them and didn't know them. Mm-hmm. Tupac was on these tapes, mm-hmm. right? What When he said later on, One Nation MCs mm-hmm. was based on the concept of these early groups. Mm-hmm. Even Thug Life. You know, shout out to Marco. Mm-hmm. Um, Thug Life was a rap between two dudes from his neighborhood 
and it was almost like a comical type of thing, right? Mm. They had this whole little skit they would do together, and it was about the thug life, mm -hmm. right? So I meet Layla. We do a show. We do Rodney O and Joe Cooley. I meet Rodney O and Joe Cooley. Meet Egyptian Lover. Now I, I'm bit by the bug. Mm -hmm. And like, you can't tell me that I'm not official. I'm still in high school, though. I'm probably thir uh, 14, 14, just starting high school. And um, one day, Layla's in Marin City and she's reading a book. She's reading Winnie Mandela's book. Just to, I'm, I'm laying the groundwork to show you what kind of individual Tupac was. He walks up behind her while she's reading the book and he starts quoting from the book. And the book is like, a piece of me went with him. It's her story and it's about her love for Nelson Mandela and her commitment to the cause, right? And Tupac walks up behind her. He's like 16, 17, and he starts quoting quotes from the book. She turns around, who is this young man? And it's Tupac. Mm -hmm. And they start talking. And if you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada -ba -ba -ba. At participating McDonald's. And she comes back and says, I met this young rapper. He's really talented. He's from Marin City. And the weird thing, maybe it's like this in most black neighborhoods, but Marin City and Santa Rosa is pretty much relatives to each other. We got cousins over there and we cousins of them, et cetera. But we often would fight and didn't get along and this and that. I'm like, man, I don't want to hear no rap from, you know, from the mm. jungle. And da, 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 da. She's yeah. like, no, I'm telling you, you should meet this guy. And and I'm trying to get Layla to manage me and yeah. my man Dizzy. He's back then we had, I think, one turntable and a mixer <laughs> and, and one of yeah. them, the two cassette decks. Yeah. And, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, yo, this dude, he going to cut in on our spot. She said, well, just meet him. Mind you, Layla's 27 at the time. Right. She's got, you know two kids, mm -hmm. she's married, and she doesn't have much resources, but mm -hmm. all of her resources, today you know her, mm -hmm. you know that she'll give her last to right. any kid, your kid, mm -hmm. any kid, not your kid, like mm -hmm. she don't know him, she gonna give her last, she gonna drive to the end of the earth. So she brings Tupac over, and man bro, this brother was the weirdest looking dude. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't use weird out here in LA. I know casting. Yeah. He just was very foreign looking to yeah. us, right? Now, mind you, I'm saying this with a ice tea can go on, yeah. one of them belt buckles with yeah. your name on it. My name at the time is MC Rock T, though. Yeah. Right? right? I got yeah. some, I got the cheap shell toe Adidas yeah. from Kmart. Yeah. Not even the real, not yeah. run DMC, but you yeah. know, yeah. I, I, I'm feeling myself. I got some Levi's jeans on. And I'm thinking, this dude look weird. This ain't gonna work out. Is this hot top fade Tupac? Hot 360 yeah. degree part Tupac. <laughs> yeah. He got jeans on with the with the with the uh, cow print yeah. on him. Um, he stands slew footed. Yeah, like you know, like he fresh out of New York. And his rap name is MC New York. MC New York and Rock T. And he walks in. And 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 you're like, what's up? Good to meet you. Good to meet you. Very humble. Very boy's very low. I say, Layla say you could rap. You dope. I'm like, man, yeah, a little something. And and he goes, Yeah, she say that you spit. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm I do my thing, you know. <laughs> I'm bragging. I'm yeah. at the time I'm rapping about tennis shoes, yeah. girls, shooting hoop with the homies. Like right. I have no point of reference for, for mm -hmm. life for real. Mm -hmm. First words this man says to me. I say, can I hear something? He say, yeah. He say, as real as it seems, the American dream ain't nothing but another calculated scheme to get us locked up, shot up and back in chains, to deny us of our future and rob our name. Kept my history a mystery, but now I see the American dream ain't shit to me. Cause Lady Liberty's a hypocrite, she lied to me. Promised me freedom, education, and equality, but never gave me nothing but slavery. 
Now look at how dangerous you made me, calling me a madman because I'm strong and bold with the uh, mouth full of what he. Whole time I'm sitting there like this. <laughs> Is that Feeney? Yo, what, Is yeah. that Feeney? He on some other shit. Yo. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm not understanding what what yeah. is happening right, right now. Right. Right? Right. I say, he say, I love to be in a group with y'all. I'm like, man, that's that's, that's done. <laughs> First day we record five songs. Wow. Wow. What we, was the name of the write, group? Strictly Dope. Okay. Strictly Dope. Okay. Um and the irony, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, in the you know new documentary, there's mm -hmm. a whole thing about me writing trap for him, right? I mm -hmm. wrote the first verse of trap, mm -hmm. which Tupac. was on Tupac which was on Tupac. Now. It's his first single, yeah, Tupac on Tupacalypse. Yeah. yeah, The crazy part about it is, is that our understanding of music, mm -hmm. he had the words, but our understanding of music, our first time in the studio for real, was was together. So all throughout his career and all throughout my career we took bits and pieces of those very first songs all the way up until <clears throat> Machiavelli. There's bits and pieces, right? Mm -hmm. Tupacalypse Now, I wrote all over that album. Mm -hmm. Not just that one thing, mm -hmm. but I can't take credit for that because throughout my entire career, I took bits and pieces of shit that you wouldn't even know is really mm -hmm. Tupac shit. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And it's like, um, we came up and, and hustled together and and I, I I can't even take credit for anything. Tupac didn't need a rapper. I'm telling mm -hmm. you, when I heard this man rap, that was the most amazing rapping I ever heard in person in my life up until that mm -hmm. moment mm -hmm. and maybe since. Wow. I'm, I'm, I was beyond impressed to this day. I'm humbled yeah. by who this individual, you know, really was. Yeah. And the, the most amazing part is the rapping was the least of who he was as a human being. Mm. I've seen Tupac sacrifice for people that he does not know. Mm -hmm. One night we we at my apartment and uh, one of my homeboys comes over mm -hmm. and his friend is a Mexican dude and my friend is black. Mm -hmm. They come in and they just got jumped by a whole party of Mind you, we're in high school. Mm -hmm. So a whole party of grown men, maybe college age and older, mm -hmm. white men, beat this man bloody. Pac sitting there. He don't know my homeboy or his friend. I say, I'll tell you why I say this. He believed in black and brown love and support. And he believed in it in a very authentic way. The one who got the worst of it was the Mexican brother, right? Mm -hmm. Pac says, nah, fuck that. We gotta go, we gotta go address this. They like, man, it just happened right around the corner. He's like, man, they like, bro, but it's like 50, 60 people out there. He like, nah, we gotta go address this right now. Forever the leader, the tip of the spear. Mm -hmm. He goes around there, he walks up to the crowd, he brought him with him. He said, which one of you, which one of you Put your hands on my homeboy. He don't know either one of these wow. people. Wow. The dude is big, buff, yeah. older, <clears throat> grown men. Mm -hmm. He say, what? Which one of you put your hands on my homeboy? Mm -hmm. And the first one that stepped up and said, me, we start rumbling. Now, mind you, it's seven of us. Mm -hmm. It's 40 people on that other side. Mm -hmm. we, we fighting. Police come. We run. Of course, the police chase the black people and the, mm -hmm. the Mexican dude. Nobody says nothing to them. Then they bring all 40 people over to the house, which was my house, where they caught us and lined us up. And it's a crowd of white dudes. And the police are like, which one attacked you? Mm -hmm. And Pac says, you don't think there's nothing wrong with this? And the police says, what, what you mean? He said, you got a, a white mob asking seven black children, minors, which one of them attacked you? Mm -hmm. So I was the one that actually swung on the dude first and they going down the line. And as soon as it got to me, he snapped, mm -hmm. stepped in. He would rather go to jail than mm -hmm. me go to jail. He mm -hmm. would rather get in trouble than me get in trouble. And I have a hundred incidents like that that mm -hmm. I could show you back to back. 
I speak on it because people say shit like, oh, Pac wasn't no gangster. Pac wasn't a gangster. He was something above and beyond that. He was he didn't fight for money. He didn't fight for um fame. Right. For attention, for clout. Mm-hmm. He did it on principle. Because there's a reason to die for her right now. There's a reason to die for you right now. And he was prepared to do that. Um, I don't even know what to say about that. I wasn't mature enough yet yeah. to understand. I had to grow up. Mm-hmm. I was well into my 30s before I began to understand. Mm-hmm. And we was a, he was a year older than me. Mm-hmm. Before I began to understand who this individual was that we lost at 25. Right, right. And that rearing, and you didn't realize at the time, did you know his background when you met him? Did you understand the Black Panther influence and his, so, his mother? weird thing mm-hmm. first day i met him i'm a homeless kid i am mm-hmm. 15 pretty much like not at home a lot uh my home is tumultuous mm-hmm. um um i grew up dealing with a lot of um, violence and abuse in the home um, addiction in the home mm-hmm. uh, i didn't want to go home and one day i just left mm-hmm. i meet Pac, and he's like um just come home with me i'm gonna take you home to my mom we're gonna talk and it'll be good. And I'm like, you live in Marin City. Mm-hmm. I can't even go to Marin City. My brother was funking with people from Marin Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Marin City. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. like real dangerous shit. He's like, nah, I'm gonna take you with me. If they get you, they got to get me too. Mm. So neighborhood. Mm. So you see the video of Pac when he's 17 and they like, he looked sensitive. He looked mm-hmm. this, he looked that. That kid was thumping with grown men every day. Mm-hmm. That kid in that video mm-hmm. was fighting grown men every day on principle. Mm-hmm. Somebody put their hands on a black woman in front of him. He snapped and he fighting grown men mm-hmm. every day. This is before the streets. Mm-hmm. This is before the drug dealers kind of got mm-hmm. got and was around like right. like he was really <clears throat> young and immature and idealistic. Mm-hmm. We go to Marin City. We meet Marku. Marku mm-hmm. was a couple of years older than us, mm-hmm. and Marku he was like cool. Like Ray got a problem out here with people, and Cool was known for they calling you know crazy cool. Like mm-hmm. they they didn't want it with Cool, so he was like, nah, I'm gonna get make sure you got a pass. You good. Mm-hmm. And he takes me to the house to meet his mother and his sister. And he's like, Ray don't have nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. And Afeni takes me into their home. And this is like food stamp days. Mm-hmm. This is already not enough food days. This is already not like not enough. And she took me in and they shared with me from day one. Wow. My, my work on Tupac's behalf, tomorrow he gets a star. In Hollywood, he got just got a street in Oakland. We just worked our ass off for years to make that happen. Mm-hmm. My work for this family has nothing to do with music mm-hmm. at all. Me and Pac only recorded twenty three songs together mm-hmm. ever. Our relationship was not based on music at all. And it's funny that you say that because that was actually what I wanted to ask you. Um, being that Tupac had such a, a vast catalog, yeah, and being that you were so close to him and yeah. also a rapper, yeah, you're not on much of his of his music. <laughs> so what, what 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 do you what's that attribute? Well, to? let's say both things though. Only twenty three. There's dudes that ain't even got twenty three songs yeah. that came out. The yeah, rap. you know, what sure, I mean? yeah, sure. Right, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah, right. That's right. a lot. But but um, then given to if you but then based on the fact somebody like Tupac who recording five hundred songs, sure. You know what I mean? Me, yeah. me and Mac Dre, like <clears throat> I'm, I work for Mac Dre's mother mm-hmm. and his daughter in whatever capacity that they need me. Me and Mac Dre recorded three songs, maybe four songs together, mm-hmm. because our relationship wasn't based on music either. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on a dope track with mm-hmm. my homies, like we had crack in our mouth, and I was writing raps with nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. And I went to high school with Mac Dre's cousin, Los, and he pulled up one day. It was the day before the Mac's funeral. 
So the Mac is where Mac Dre, right. Mac Maul, mm-hmm. shout out to Mac Maul, my little brother, mm-hmm. where, you know, a Mac Duna, where all the Macs and, mm-hmm. and the Crest get their name from. The Mac had just got <clears throat> killed in a mistaken identity. And he's like, tomorrow's the Mac's funeral. Mm-hmm. My relationship with the Mac is go back to the time of when I met Tupac. The Mac had a record cover that's like, it was like, the only other person I saw do this was really Ice-T at the time. Mm-hmm. The one Dre redid? The one Dre redid. Yeah, that and was the Mac dope. is on the cover and they're in silk and ballys mm-hmm. and they got guns and the girls and the cars. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm looking at this record like, yo. And then when I flipped it over, the number on the back was 707 for business inquiries. Mm-hmm. That's my 707. That means they live by my yeah. house. One day I need to find these dudes and work with them. Los picks me up. He said, I gotta, I gotta stop and get Drea outfit for the funeral. So he stopped to get Drea outfit, got me an outfit for the funeral too. My first day coming to the crest was walking into the church for the Max funeral, which is how I met them. Mm-hmm. After that, we in Crest Park. Dre, like, I heard you could rap. Pac had started working on his record, but he was mostly touring with digital around um, same song, mm-hmm. and um, which was the first record he was on for Digital Underground. Right, And um, Dre heard me rap and was like, I love your rap and I think you dope. Mm-hmm. He was like, man, I, I wanna help you get signed. And I'm like, man, I love to get signed, right? Mm-hmm. All my friends is getting signed to majors. He's like, we not a major, but, but I can help you get some money in your pocket. Mm-hmm. 48 hours later, $23,000 was in my hand. Mm-hmm. That was my first real rap, like real rap money. And that's from Young Black Brother. And that's from Young Black Brother. Yeah. And uh, that, and and Dre takes me home to Mac Wanda's house and they got a five bedroom house and Mac Wanda got a Benz and a BMW and, mm-hmm. and they gave me my own room to sleep in and mm-hmm. I'm like, yo, who is Mac Dre? Like, who is this dude? He's right. always been Mac Dre. Always and, been fly. And let me, let me ask you, so is this Mac Dre from uh, On My Toes, Living? California Love? No, this California is, this is, no, California yeah, 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 you're close, you're close. He's, he's working on California Living at okay. the time. Okay. This is right after Too Hard for the fucking okay. radio All time right, period, yeah. right? Yeah. And the irony of, like my relationship with Dre is the reason why I wanted to sign over there was to be with Dre. Mm-hmm. And we doing shows and having the best time. We go to Fresno, we do a show, uh, meet a bunch of girls out there. The mm-hmm. girls in Fresno <laughs> is turned up. We turned up two weeks later, a week later, we want to go back to Fresno. But I'm so broke, like I don't have no money. Mm-hmm. I want to go, I'm trying to go, I want to go, right? Mm-hmm. I asked DJ C, who was our DJ, man, can I borrow $100 and some weed? He was like, no. <laughs> he was like, hell no. Like, you you want me to pay for your little, like, fun yeah. games? And <laughs> like, man, no, you need to be in the studio. You yeah. need to be working. So I didn't go. A few days later, Dre and him was arrested out right. there. Mm-hmm. I know that Dre went out there to hang mm-hmm. out with girls. Mm-hmm. Mac Dre. Right. Like that was the, the highlight of his day. Right. He wasn't on that. But, yeah, right. But the point is, doesn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. There was a lot of convolution, and mm-hmm. both of us were very mouthy in our music. Mm-hmm. All of us, my whole squad. I mean, was that was hip hop, though. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And I think the police really looked at us as a significant threat because their children mm-hmm. was listening to it and being influenced by right. it. And so they was embarrassed by that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Day of California Love video, I went to jail in Vallejo. Mm-hmm. And the Vallejo police took me to the other side of town where they, that who they thought were enemies of the crest mm-hmm. and released us into the enemy's neighborhood. Wow. But I was so unknown, I didn't know nobody. Wow. You know, it didn't mm-hmm. it didn't affect me like that. But they I it definitely was a beef between the black community and the police department right. at that time. And this is where punk police and Yeah, this is where like punk yeah. police and, mm-hmm. and all of that came from. Mm-hmm. Um for me, I believe that you stick with you dance with the girl that you came with. You mm-hmm. stick with the squad that you you came with. Yeah. You 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 know, as long as everybody is honorable to one another. That's right. You you don't need to go anyplace else, right? Yeah. 
I want to take my team to the Super Bowl, mm -hmm. right? I don't want to, I know this is the time of free agency, mm -hmm. right? Artists go to whatever labels, pop and get signed, get a check. I don't know how to do that. Never mm -hmm. knew how to do it. Mm -hmm. um, these are these are always where my loyalty lies. These, let me let me ask you, with Young Black Brother, did they ever have a did they ever have major distribution? I believe when yeah, Atlantic? we signed we signed to Atlantic. Atlantic, right, right, right. <clears throat> that was um, how do I put it? So we signed to Atlantic six months before Time Warner sold mm -hmm. Interscope. Mm -hmm. Why that's relevant is the reason why they sold Interscope was because they were embarrassed over uh, gangster rap, mm -hmm. Tupac Records, um, what became Death Row and mm -hmm. all of that. They were really embarrassed of that. The vice president had issues with it. A young man in Texas killed a state trooper, said he was listening to a Tupac record at the I time. That. Yep. And it and it <clears throat> became very, just a strange time to uh -huh. be signed. So. They were basically paying us to stay home. Mm, okay. I released Forever Hustling. It was a, people say it's a classic. Mm -hmm. It did really well. It didn't go gold because they didn't want it to. Mm -hmm. They wanted it to be quiet. Mm -hmm. They wanted, they didn't want the, it was an election time period. Right. They didn't want the smoke with that, right? Okay. And so that, you know, that affected me. Like every step of the way in this business, I've seen so many different elements of it. And I started a company with my nephew, mm -hmm. with my homeboy, called Tanyard. Uh, Tanyard Management is basically to help artists um, be successful, but not just be successful, how to be successful. When my mother was doing music, A&R meant who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Artists and repertoire. Right. So they would sit down and do media training like yep. we, we doing yep. right now. They would yep. be able to do interviews. Your first few years, man, you don't just go... Um, uh, shacking up with any random person that you meet, male or female, whatever your thing is, right? They taught you how to protect yourself mm -hmm. and what you're supposed to do with your, with your, with your brand. They say um, Magic Johnson, when you sign with his company, you know, no expensive watches your first year, mm -hmm. no expensive cars your first year. Mm -hmm. No, because he realizes if I could get you through that first year or two mm -hmm. without this, I can pretty much guarantee your success for the rest of your life because this is the complicated time. Right. This is when all the snakes start coming out. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, they got the gold digger websites where they got you how much you made, <laughs> yeah. what your favorite color is, where yeah. you come from, yeah. do yeah. you like fried chicken or fried fish? Yeah. And they know, and the game know how to work you. That's right. Right? That's right. So we have artists that sign to us that have huge records. Mm -hmm. Nobody want to pay them. Mm-hmm. These kids coming out of the worst areas. Uh, we got an artist, J.K. Mack, out of Alabama. We got an artist, Lake God, out of Utah. We got Creeper out of Denver. We got we got artists that that are, we got J-Man out of Houston. They all coming from really tough situations. And I've never seen the business like it is right now where mm -hmm. nobody, it's almost like it's scamming or swiping. Like, yeah. They yeah. don't want to pay the artists. They don't get statements right. no more. I always had statements. An right. attorney, I got every contract I ever signed at my attorney. Mm -hmm. Same attorney since I was 18. I got a bunch of them now, but I still have my original attorney. Mm -hmm. I still know I can show you the trajectory mm -hmm. of my career, right? Right. Artists today is in a world of trouble. Mm -hmm. I can teach every artist how to double their money right now. Anybody you, listening what, to what me right now, you want to double your money? Audit. Your record company and your distributor. Yeah, but is it? What do you think is attributed to to the fact that they're going in not knowing they're not getting proper representation and they just signing whatever? Uh, well, yes, there's that, mm -hmm. but it's not just about that. Mm -hmm. What it's about too is we used mm -hmm. to make stars. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. used to be when we came up. That's it right. was a Michael Jackson. Yeah, it was a, Prince, it was a different, even like a whole a different thing. Yeah, nobody wants that no more. You know why? Right. Because if you make a Whitney Houston and she wants a hundred million, you got to give her that hundred million because she earned it. Mm -hmm. 
You want to you want a, a, um, a person earn that Michael Jackson money, you got to break that Michael Jackson bread off. Yeah. But it's easier to take a kid who don't know nothing, get you seven or eight platinums back to Manufacture back to back them. and mm-hmm. burn your, your ass out, bro. Yep. Yep. Burn you out. And then you back in the ghetto yep. and they got all the bread. Mm-hmm. That is a travesty. Yeah. That's what's wrong with the culture. Mm-hmm. You want to know what's wrong with the music? Is that we're not involved in the music no more. Mm-hmm. Because see- When you say we, what? I'm going to tell you what I mean. My first mm-hmm. single was about Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. They had a meeting. They was like, we like your song, but you know, people really don't want to hear about such time. Like, can't you make a song about mm-hmm. smoking weed and- mm-hmm. And like hanging out with girls and and driving nice cars on big rims. Like, man, this is a real conversation. Right. Rap about money. Everybody likes money. Mm-hmm. My second single was Get Your Money On. Great record. People like the record, right? Mm-hmm. People danced to the record. The record was high energy. Mm-hmm. But my first single was about Malcolm X. That's what I wanted to rap about. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So why I say we're not involved in it is if I'm hungry and I have yeah. nothing to eat. Right. And I walk into a record company, mm-hmm. I know what I need to do to get this check. Yeah. To get this bag. Yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be aggressive. Man, we walked into Atlantic, the whole table. It's a table from here to that wall over there mm-hmm. with 18 people sitting at the table. And they all listening to one person, mm-hmm. a bunch of fucking robots. Right. And they sitting there, and the lady at the end of the table is listening to my record, and she's doing like the all off beat and yeah. shit. <laughs> as soon as she start tapping on the table, then the rest of them, oh yeah, I think I like this. <laughs> you have people not even in the culture or don't man, understand the culture on, making come decisions. On, man. Come yeah, on, bro. Yeah. The, but, the, the, reali- the reality of it is, is that I don't blame it on any one thing. Yeah. But I am aware. And I, I was having a, a, a conversation with a, with a partner of mine about football. Mm-hmm. You have to know, if you ask most players in the NFL that are our age, mm-hmm. they'll tell you, I don't know that I want my kid to play football. Right. Right? CTE and other mm-hmm. things that are long-term effects of playing that game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you, are, if you got a real team around you, when you go into college, even if you are in the top 10 players in the country, you're going to make sure you get that other side, get that law degree, get mm-hmm. that other degree. Make sure that when it's over, you can do your business, you can get your money, right? Mm-hmm. Other than that, we just feeding kids to the system. Yeah. Because 80% mm-hmm. of football players is going to have to get a job when they leave the NFL. Yeah. But we didn't got the, all the shirts, the jerseys, the Super Bowl. We had a great time, right? Mm-hmm. We enjoyed your... You're a play, mm-hmm. but you selling mattresses on local TV, right? Right. Mm-hmm. After it's over, same thing with this shit. Mm-hmm. It's wrong. This is the the business where you put out a whole pizza, and we gonna keep all the slices and give you one, and then after we take our slices, we gonna come back for yours, mm-hmm. right? If you're successful, right. So if you Michael Jackson, if you Prince, if you whoever, we want that back. Mm-hmm. And what we'll say is, man, you don't really know how to run your business. Mm. Like, let us run that for you. Right. Well, what do you mean? I don't know. But, but the whole way they knew you didn't know how. Same way if you a high school sports player, you know this kid can't read, but man, he run a 4-3, 4-2, and a 40, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So we just going to keep sliding him through. Mm-hmm. That's the problem for me. And that's why I started the company. I didn't need to be in the business mm-hmm. in that way because it's a very aggressive right. position to be in. Right. And at my age, I'm kind of over it. Like yeah. I said, yeah. we got goals. We got platinums. Yeah. We we eye right, everybody over here. Nobody missing a meal. But that being said, I'm trying to prevent what happened to me, what happened to Pac, right. what happened to other artists mm-hmm. from continuing. Now, yeah. I want to pivot Dre? real <clears throat> I want to pivot real quick. Yeah. So you saying what happened to Pac? Do you feel like with all the records that Pac sold, now we're talking about uh, before he passed away, do yeah. you feel like he was treated fairly as an artist? I can't speak to before. I'm, I'm going to tell you something that'll blow your mind. You know, mm-hmm. Afeni sold more records than Tupac. 
Hmm. What, do you, what do you mean? <laughs> so in Tupac's life, Tupac sold a lot of records. Mm-hmm. A lot. Mm-hmm. Afeni's, um brilliance was that she was not a part of the music business and she had no music business background and she was able to navigate it success, successfully and sold more records posthumously than Pac did in his life. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is that you might be surprised to know, and I won't even speak specifically about that situation, but I'll tell you this. You would be surprised to know that if you have a $200 million brand and you say, you know what? I think I just want to set it on fire. Or I don't want to release records anymore. Like we're just going to, we're just going to take our $2 million estate and walk away. Mm-hmm. We don't want to do this anymore. You can't even do that. Do you know that the industry at large will take you to court and take that shit from you? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. If you own Coca-Cola, you think you could just set it on fire? Mm-hmm. No. They're going to say you're crazy and they're going to take it from you. Mm. Mm-hmm. You don't own what you think you own unless you are raising your babies to know how to run what you bequeath to them. Mm-hmm. let's say you have 10 properties you own 10 real estate properties if you raise them and they don't know how to take care of those properties they don't know what to do with them you are saving those properties for someone else to take from them right right same thing intellectual property no different mm-hmm. all of my kids know how to run businesses they either have them they know how to run them and they are prepared to take over in the event of my demise. Word to Tupac. Mm. You dig? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. There is there is no other way because while we're at the strip club mm. and while we flipping shit, someone mm. else is plotting on taking your children's future. Right, right. A stick-up kid rob you for what you got on. Mm. Take this shit. These motherfuckers will take your future, your right. children, your grandchildren's future. Mm-hmm. I sat with a Fanny last year of her life, and she planned out to take care of her family for six generations. Humbled me. Mm-hmm. Wow. Humbled me. Wow. You got a hundred year plan. Humbled me. Wow. You supposed to have a plan longer than your life. Right. Your kids are supposed to have a plan longer than their life. Right. She planned for her grandkids, grandkids. So made me really hip. Like I gotta, yeah, I need to. So I gotta you, get to so work. So what you saying that right? Let's pivot a little bit because sure. now you're speaking to the estate of yeah. Tupac. Yeah, but you're a part of that family. Mm-hmm. And where where ever are since I was 15, ever years since old, you were 15, food stamps. So yeah. where y'all? Where's the estate now? What is going on with that now? So there is a lawsuit. You can look it up online. Um, Rolling Stone, Billboard, a bunch of people wrote about it. Um, there's a lawsuit between the estate and Setua, uh, Tupac's sister. And a lot of it is about how they handle her and the children, how they handle the um, the business and the brand of Tupac, and how they ha- handle people that worked very hard to create that. Mm-hmm. So... If I were to pass away, right, and you want to know, how do we do a Ray Love project? And you my homeboy, right? Let's say y'all want to do, and you my homeboy, and that's my son. You're going to go to the people that did the projects Mm -hmm. or the people that was there. Like, you can't take nothing away from Setua's opinion. Because when we was first writing raps, we was writing them in her bedroom. We would lock her out the door. Mm -hmm. She's the first one. Um, cool Herc's little sister, I think her name is Cindy. She really is the birth of hip hop, mm-hmm. not them. She's the first fan of it, the first writer of it, and the first perpetuator of it. Mm-hmm. Setua was the one who cut the 360 de- degree haircuts and did our hair and did our clothes for the very first groups mm-hmm. we was in. Mm-hmm. How does her opinion not matter? Mm-hmm. Now, I have no financial dog in the fight. Mm-hmm. But I do know this much. There's a whole bunch of people that love Pop, that love Defaney, that that knows that that knows 
that they should be treated fairly and with respect. Mm-hmm. Now, the trustees and attorneys and all of them, you know, I mean, they're a part, they, they were a part of creating right. Tupac and keeping it up and lit, right? Yeah. But no offense, you are an employee. Right, right. Of right. this that's family. what I was about to say. So is right? the family reaping the benefits or is it the 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 the, uh, the workers? I think, the I, think, I think that's to be determined with the okay. case what it says in the case is that there there's um they they're they you could read it for yourself. Yeah. They're not getting statements, there's money missing, there's things, there's things that are being contested. Uh-huh. There's um um the children are there's it's so a lack I'm gonna tell you what it is. It's a lack of respect. Yeah, so it it's, is a lack of. Respect. So it's basically it's, lawyers, it's really about people that didn't know Tupac that are reaping the benefits. No, they. Not well, his... this is the thing, they they knew him, but you're still an employee. And what right. I mean by that is like, if you pass and I run your estate, mm-hmm. these are your daughters right here, right? Mm-hmm. How should I treat them? Right. Really, really, like while you sitting here, if Tupac mm-hmm. was here right now, mm-hmm. how would he expect you to treat them? Right. Right. If I'm just like, man, I ain't listening to y'all. We do what we want over here. I'll throw you some money when I want to. And, yeah, that's crazy. You know, like, man, that's can, crazy. I, can I see a statement? No, nah, man, fuck your statement. That's crazy. Yeah. And they hide behind the fact of these people have class. They would never want to say anything. They're they're not incendiary. They're people of action. They take Mm -hmm. care of children. They feed babies. They buy legs for kids that don't have them. Mm -hmm. That's what they're doing when you're not hearing them. They don't sit on podcasts. Mm -hmm. Not not an offense. She doesn't do that. She does the work of the people like her mother, like Mm -hmm. her father, Mm -hmm. like her brothers, like her aunties, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. Saladin Shakur, where it all started. They do the work of the people. They're not going to do this. They're not looking for fame and right. attention or none of that. I don't think I've ever seen Set do. Exactly. I've never seen that. Exactly. Yeah. Where That's I met Set was with you. And yeah. We were we were yeah. doing community in case it, in case what was we, we doing? Were, yeah, exactly, we were doing community stuff. right. Yeah. So yep. only in this twisted, <clears throat> fucked up world mm-hmm. do we penalize that person mm-hmm. because in our business it's about money. If you ain't about the money. Yeah. If you and I hustle together, I get a million dollar check, you get a million dollar check, and you take your million dollar check to Kansas City and give a million dollars away, mm-hmm. the rest of us is like, that nigga suspect. Mm-hmm. Something wrong with him. Mm-hmm. We can't fuck with him. We got to take his bag. Right. But if you take that money and buy guns and dope and whatever fuck <laughs> right. with it, we like, man, that's exactly. my man. Real shit. <laughs> Real shit, yeah. That's, that's yeah. something wrong with that, it bro. It is, bro. And it I is. and. I am often accused at speaking out of turn, right? Mm-hmm. The documentary, the reason why I decided to do it, I, yeah. I said I wouldn't do it. Which is the for dear, ye- for which years. is the Dear Mama. Which is the Dear Mama yeah. documentary. Yep. <clears throat> uh, I got a call from QD3, Quincy Jones uh the third mm-hmm. is like my friend. The weird thing about our families is my father is the first one to give his dad, Quincy Jones, a job in the business. Mm-hmm. Me and Q been friends for probably 25 years or so. Mm-hmm. Q called me, he asked me to meet him. He was in Silicon Valley. And I went out to Silicon Valley and met with him. And I was going there to have lunch and tell a good friend politely, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> but he sold me on something. Right. What was that? And he, and, he, and, he, and I believe he was right. Mm-hmm. He said, how many of these projects are gonna go out with a caricature of who this man was. There's an entire generation of our people and people around the world Mm -hmm. that have no idea who Tupac is. Right. Look at the disrespect. Look at what people say. Oh, he was this, he was that, he was weak. You saying that, what he said, they talk shit, but that's after I'm gone because right. they fear me in the physical form. Man, wasn't that tall. Didn't weigh that much. Giant. Mm-hmm. Giant. Always. Always has been. He always was the leader of his circle. There was always the outlaws. When they was mm-hmm. kids, the outlaws was there. It was, it was always that. 
-hmm. right? He was always the one to sacrifice. He was always the one to, I'm going to go, I'm, I'm not going to sleep because if I only sleep three hours, then I can feed five more people in my family or outside of my family. Mm -hmm. Man, these dudes is not men like my man was. Yeah. They are not giants like my guy was. Mm -hmm. Facts. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.